worship team has done a great job of leading us into praise. Amen. This is the last part of this series. I've had a great time preaching this series uh, about being set apart, talking about, you know, the, the titles that Jesus carried. And he carried a lot of titles. And if you haven't been here for all the weeks, I'll just spend a few minutes talking about a few things that we've talked about. But then I'll get into the final message this morning. Luke chapter 4 is where we'll begin reading this morning. Uh, around verse 14. And so we, we, I want you to think about this whole thought process of, of titles because it, it describes what you do. It describes who you are. It's kind of what your purpose is. Uh, maybe it's something that you have been set apart to do. Okay, so it indicates that somebody knows what you do. That's why I, when I'm with a doctor, I call him Dr. So-and-so or her Dr. So-and-so. Because I identify with them, their title, of what they do. My kids' teachers. I always called my kids' teachers to this day. I know Drew had a teacher. His name is Mr. G. <laughs> and if I see Mr. G in the store today, guess what? He's still Mr. G. All right? Because I identify him of what he's been called to do is to teach. I'm thankful. Our kids will say things like Miss Summer or Miss Heather or Miss Darby or Miss Abby. Our kids learn from a young age that people carry certain titles, right, uh, to set them apart, to describe, like a police officer. Why well, I, I, I always say Officer so-and-so, Officer Howe or Officer uh, Hall, and we have several officers. Same thing to be true in the ministry. When I identify a pastor, I would say, you know, like Pastor Trey or Pastor Devin or Pastor John, right? We, you understand what we have titles for. It, it, it describes what we do, and Jesus had many titles, and we mentioned this the first week. His, probably his most famous title was Christ the Anointed One. The Anointed One was a title that describes him being set apart for mission above all missions. Uh, the name Christ means Christo in Greek, which means to be set apart, the Anointed One. It really means the Anointed One. And so I've described, and I want to show you, Braden, and, and all, all, your whole row. Can you three guys come up here? You're like, Pastor Pete, man, this is what happens when you come to. They are like the first ones sitting in the sanctuary this morning. Come on, you guys, sitting up there ready for church. Stay right there. Now, I want to describe, so you're the one we are going to anoint you. In the Old Testament, what would happen, you guys surround Braden, just kind of surround him. This is not, this is, I feel like we're like setting up a fight or something, but, you know, that's not what they did. In the Old Testament, if somebody was anointed, they would do a display. They would pour oil over their head, and, and they would be surrounded. They would be surrounded by others who would, who would pray and prophesy over him. So you two would begin to pray over him. You would prophesy over him as they would anoint Braden's head with oil. It would signify that his life forevermore, he would be anointed and he would be set apart for a purpose. They would do this display so others would know him and say, I was there when he was anointed king. Or I was there when that anointing, when the oil was poured on their head. And so they would have a visible reminder of someone being set apart. And then the other two guys, eventually they maybe will anoint you too. I don't know. You guys did a great. Thank you for coming up here and standing here. You're like, thank you, Pastor. I really appreciate you calling us out. But you see the picture there. And they would anoint in the Old Testament with oil in that way. They would surround someone. They would anoint them with oil. And they, they would 
they have that job title for a lifetime, a description. But then in the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene, right? And he, 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 Jesus was somebody who broke tradition. And he came on the scene, and he was the anointed one. And he said, yeah, I am not anointed by men. What makes me different and set apart is what? I am anointed by God. And so Jesus came anointed by God. He was set apart for a purpose for us. He was set apart his life to go to the cross. He would be the last one that would be the, the, the price was paid for our sin once and for all. And so Luke chapter 4, Jesus is here on the scene. This kind of sets us up for this last sermon with this picture. Verse 14, then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. So his popularity was high at this point early in his ministry. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures like we are doing today. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now remember, this was written 700 years prior to Jesus standing here at this moment. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So he's, he's identifying one of his, right, what, what his description of his job is. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, sat down, and it says that all the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. And what Jesus was doing, he was letting everybody know at that moment, he was saying, you know the Messiah that you've been waiting for? Well, you're looking at him. I'm the one in the flesh. So he's making a point. So his title, this first thing that we discussed is he was set apart for this purpose as Christ the anointed one or Christ the Messiah. He was the Christ. But within his life, he would serve different positions. So we discussed Christ, the suffering servant, if you remember, the suffering servant, Jesus Christ, one of his last acts was right there with his disciples in John chapter 13. You remember he was there in the room and they were preparing to eat the meal and he was preparing to, to lay his life down at the cross. And one of his last acts of service was Jesus washed the feet of his disciples before he went to the cross. And how many know that was the greatest, one of the greatest, that is the greatest act of, hu of humility ever was the cross. He was a suffering servant. And so he sets the example. And, and this is what it says in Isaiah oh, chapter 40, verse 4. I'm sorry, chapter 53, verse 4. Surely he took upon our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, say it with me, we are, amen, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each 
of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So Isaiah was painting a picture 700 years before Jesus would come of one that would suffer for us as a suffering servant. And then we found also in the Old Testament last week the message of he is the Alpha and Omega. Say that with me. Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega is the alphabet, the Greek alphabet. That is A to Z. God has sent us his son not only as the Alpha and the Omega, but everything in between. Amen? He's the beginning and the, la- and the end. He's the first and the last. And Isaiah writes in 44, verse 6, the same prophet that we've talked about already this morning, 700 years ago, wrote this. This is what the Lord says, Isaiah 44, 6. This is what the Lord says, Israel's king and redeemer. The Lord Almighty, I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. So all throughout the Old Testament, we see this picture described and painted so well as Christ being in the beginning and the end, or the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. But yet Jesus puts some serious weight to this in the New Testament. He really puts some, a definition to this, to this meaning of being set apart. Uh, in Revelation 21, remember Jesus is speaking in verse 6, and he says this. He said to me, it is done. What did Jesus mean, it is done? The cross, amen? He's paid the price once and for all. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. So Jesus now is saying, I have finished what was prophesied, right? It was spoken in Isaiah 44 that one would come, the Lord Almighty, the first and the last. And now Jesus puts serious weight to this whole conversation by saying, I'm the one. I've been set apart. I've been called for this purpose. And so we realize that he is the first and the last. And we also said before that he's also everything in between. How many know Jesus has been with you every moment of your life? He's with you right now. You're not sitting alone. You might be sitting and there's a seat next to you. Guess what? He's with you right now. He doesn't leave you. He's with us all the time. And history, the, the whole thought of being the, the Alpha and the Omega tells us that God is history. Amen? He is history. The question I asked last week is this. Are you living for your story or are you living for his story? Because in the end, all of history is basically God's story. We are just a little blimp on the, on the whole scene, on the whole spectrum of history. But God is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. And so the question is, in life, in our 70, 80, 90 years, if we're blessed, maybe 100. How many know that's still a short amount of time in the comparison of all history? Sometimes people live their life to make their own history, their own story. But once you become a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not about my story anymore. It's about his story. Amen? And my life is about, God, what can I do to help complete your story? Harvest Land Church, we are a part of his story. Amen? How many believe that? But as a church, if we only live for ourselves, 
We're only living for our own story, and we might miss our purpose and our calling and our destiny. I want to be a part of God's story. If you say amen, lift your hand and say amen. God, I want to be a part of your story. I'm going to trust that you are the Alpha and the Omega, and you have everything in between. I have decided to follow. When you said, I have decided to follow Jesus, basically you're saying, God, I have decided to be a part of your story. It's not about me anymore. So Christ, the anointed one. Christ, the suffering servant. Christ, the Alpha and the Omega. And then today's message is Christ, the great I am. Amen. That should give you a clap right there and a shout. He is the great I am. I am. I love this title. I love this part. And we learn of it in the Old Testament back in Exodus chapter 3. You remember Exodus chapter 3. Moses is on the backside of the desert. And he, he's already been through a lot. And we find in Exodus chapter 3 here in the desert. And God comes and speaks to him right there. And God speaks to him and he gives him his purpose. He gives him a plan, and he gives him a mission for his life. Say that with me. Purpose, plan, and a mission for my life. Exodus chapter 3, God is showing Moses these things, and he speaks to him. And I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to this today. I don't care what you have done. I don't care what people have said or told you. God has a purpose, God has a plan, and God has a mission for your life. Amen? It doesn't matter. God also has a sense of humor. I mean, God has a sense of humor. Just read this story because Moses, he shows up. I mean, God shows up to Moses in the form of a burning bush and begins to speak to him. Now, you and I, we get so familiar, maybe sometimes so religious, we get very familiar with these stories and we almost think like, yeah, that's cool. God showed up and talked to Moses in a bush. Well, what if after church today, you walk outside and you saw, you know, Kathy back there talking to one of the bushes outside the church? I'm going to be honest. I think there would be a few people that would call 911. If you saw Kathy just talking to that bush, she, oh, I want to, and, and there might be a few, but I doubt there'd be very few of us that would say, oh, the Lord is speaking to her. Let her be. Sometimes when we read the Bible, right, we just kind of breeze through these stories like, yeah, God's talking to Moses in the form of a bush. I mean, God's got a sense of humor. He's talking to him. Obviously, we know that God's presence, his power, his glory, everything was so magnificent. Moses couldn't have even been in his presence in the full form, right? We understand he just saw the back of God at one point. So there's a lot more to it, but... Just the image of Moses talking to a bush is enough to kind of make me chuckle. And and, and God says to Moses, the bush says, and it wasn't related to George. That's a bad joke. But anyway, he says, you'll get that later. Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. Matter of fact, I want you to go back to Pharaoh and I want you to give Pharaoh a message. And we all know the message. He said what? Let my people Go, all two million of them. It's a lot of people. And 
He says, I want, I want to take them from being slaves, having a life of being a slave, and I, and I want to lead them to the promised land, and, and you're the man, and, and you have a purpose, a plan, and a mission. And Moses, like you and I, was obviously afraid, if you read the scripture. Uh, he, he, he was scared of this huge mission that God had just laid before him, this mission to go to Pharaoh. And, and I believe that Moses began to look at his limitations and his weaknesses. How many know many times when God asks us to do something, the first place we go to is our, our limitations and our weaknesses? God, I can't afford to do that. I don't have time for that. I, I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough, right? We, we tend to go right to our limitations first when God gives us a challenge. And so Moses quickly goes to his limitations. And I'm sure he, he started to think about his past. He started to, to think about his mistakes. He started to think about, I'm not that good of a speaker, and you want me to go to the Pharaoh right there and, and tell him this? And he's saying to God, like, how can I do this? How can I do this? And the story picks up in chapter 3 and verse 13. And Moses said to God, suppose, you know, God, suppose, like, think about it. He's having this conversation, and Suppose I go to the Israel. Suppose I go to the Israelites, and I and I say to them, "The God of your fathers has sent me to you." And and, and God. And then they ask me, "Well, what's his name?" Right? Basically, what's his title? What does he do? And then what should I say to them? And God said to Moses, "I am who I am." He's like, "This is what you say to the Israelites." He said. Tell them, I am has sent me to you. And as you read it, you might think, yeah, that's pretty cool, but that's not real comforting. <laughs> God didn't say, like, I want you to do these five points, and then I will show up, and, and I'll bring, you know, I'll, I'll just make everything happen for you. He said, to say I am, and okay, God, I'll go to Pharaoh with that message, right? I mean, that's not a, that's not a whole lot. I mean, it's a lot, but maybe he thought, like, I am. I mean, you got to remember, he's hearing this, right, for the, one, the, the first time. I am. So can you imagine he goes to Pharaoh and he says, hey, Pharaoh, God's, oh, no, he says, hey, Pharaoh, let God's people go. And Pharaoh would say what? Whose authority do you come and ask me that question? What would Moses say? Well, I am's authority. <laughs> what? Who, who are you talking about? I am. Sent me. And I bet you Pharaoh was like, I'm so confused right now. It's like that who's on first base. Like, who sent you? What's their name? Moses like, I am sent me. No, I didn't ask who you are. Who sent you? I am sent me. And, and, and I'm, I'm sure he was just, this whole conversation. But, but this whole story makes a lot more sense when you get into the New Testament. Okay, because Jesus is on the scene, right, in John chapter 8. And he's on the scene with the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders. Now, you remember Jesus has had quite a, quite a last few weeks of ministry. I mean, you're talking like in, in chapter 5, you remember the story of the Pool of Bethesda. He, he, he heals that man at the Pool of Bethesda, and, and that all happens in chapter 6. Jesus feeds the 5,000 plus. He walks on water, and all these amazing things 
happen. But also after he feeds the 5,000, after he walks on water, he's rejected by his own. So we see the, some of the tide has turned a little bit. In, in, in John chapter 7, you remember he, he promises the Holy Spirit will come. He gives all these great words. But Jesus is questioned, and now he's rejected by the authorities. And now we find ourselves here in John chapter 8. And, and, and remember, he's just coming off. He's in this debate. He's in this very intense debate. He is going toe-to-toe with the religious leaders and the Pharisees. And this is one of those conversations that I sense was a little bit uncomfortable for other people in the room. Have you ever been in a board meeting or a leadership meeting, for those of you who are leaders? And it, there's no yelling, but sometimes it gets intense, right? As leaders sometimes have to kind of lead. Jen Morris, you know I've been in those board meetings in the regional office because you, you were sitting in the other room like, what are they doing in there? And, and so but as, as leaders, we're trying to find what is the best process. Jesus is in this moment, but they question him, and they actually say things like, do you have a demon? To Jesus. And, and they question him and they doubt him. And, and, and they're bringing up Abraham. And they're bringing him up and they're like, man, Jesus, you're not even 50 years old. How do you even know what you're talking about? And so that's what we find going on in this story. And, and what's happening, they're looking for a trap. They're, they're looking for a way to kill Jesus. In John chapter 8, verse 58, they say what? Who are you? Do you remember the answer, right, that God told Moses, tell them what, who I am? He said, tell them what? I am sent you. Remember, Jesus knows that these Pharisees and that these Jewish leaders, he knows that they know the word. Now, on Wednesday night, we talked about it's not about knowing, it's about connecting. Right? How many know it's not about the location that makes you saved, it's about the connection that makes you saved. A lot of people know who God is. A lot of people know what to do. A lot of people come to church. A lot of people serve. But if you're not connected to the vine, then you don't truly know him. Come on. We have to be connected. And Jesus is saying to these people who know a lot about God, they know the law, they know the Bible. So he says, I'm just going to go right to where they're at. And he says this, verily, truly, verse 58, verily, truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. If Jesus had a microphone, he would have dropped it. But instead, what happened? At this, they picked up stones. It says they picked up stones to stone Jesus. They were already trying to kill him. I mean, the cross was the last, it was plan B or plan C. They were already trying to kill Jesus, and they picked up stones to stone him. He said something that they knew was true, and they didn't know how to react. Before Abraham, I am. He basically, he's saying, the one you're talking about, you're looking at him. I'm the one in the flesh. And it says they, they took stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, and he slipped away. He's slipping away from the temple grounds. He said, I was here before your forefather, Abraham. And what he was saying even more than that is what I was saying. They all knew the story of Moses in the burning bush. They knew it. He was saying, you know whose voice that was in the bush? It was my voice. Amen? How many know today as God speaks to us, he is still the great I am. 
And that voice that you hear, that, that voice that says everything's going to be okay, that voice that says you got to trust me on this, that voice is the same voice that spoke to Moses in that bush. God is still the great I am. And that is, that is a great, what a title to have. Amen. I am with you. And Jesus points us out. And Jesus would go on and be very specific about who he is. In the book of John in the New Testament, in just the gospel of John, seven times, seven times, Jesus makes seven different I am statements. He makes it very clear. He's being very clear, very specific of his purpose, his calling, and he says who he is. And he wants everybody to understand. He says things like this. I am the bread of life. I, I am the vine. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. He says, I, I am the light of the world. I am the truth and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And God, so Jesus seven times points out that I am that I am. And so he's making it clear. Notice when Jesus is speaking, he makes this crystal clear. And he wants all of us to know this morning, even this morning, what the very essence of who God is in your life. How I many know he's more than just someone we meet on Sunday morning? He's the very essence of what we are, our purpose, our plan, and our mission in life. Amen? He should be every breath you breathe, every thought you you have, God, I pray that you would saturate my mind. I pray. Because how me know, if he's with us, he's with us. He is I am. He's not someone I take with me here and there. No, he is who we are. Because he is I am. Jesus didn't just do it. He said I am. He didn't say I am the doorknob. That would be a weird verse. No, he said what? I am the door. I'm not the light switch. You know, like, you can't turn me on and off whenever you feel like it. He said what? I am the light of the world. He didn't say, I'm the bread basket. He said what? Eat me. Remember when he said that, what happened? A bunch of people left. A bunch of disciples left. He said what? I am the bread of life. Eat me, my blood, my flesh. And he said that. He said, you have to follow me. And a lot of people are like, that's too much. He said, I am the bread. He, he, he didn't say, I'm a signpost. You just put up a nice little sign once in a while in your yard or on your car or wear the T-shirt. How oh, man, you know, I wear the Christian T-shirt, therefore I'm saved. Tell me, no, that's not in the gospel. <laughs> you know, he, he said, I'm not a signpost. I am the way. Amen? I'm not a messenger. I am the message. I am the truth. I'm not the undertaker. Aren't you thankful for that? He said, I am the resurrection and the life in the flesh. I am. All those years ago, when Moses had that revelation, God saying, I will be with you when you talk to, to, to the Pharaoh. Even though you have shortcomings, even though you made mistakes, even though you don't speak well, trust me, I am and I have, I got this. I got this, Moses. Just obey and Jesus comes on the scene all these years later, and he's in this 
battle with these leaders about Abraham and about all these things. And, and he basically says, listen, guys, I am. And you can get either behind me or get run. I don't think he said or get run over, but you know what I'm saying. He's like, because this train ain't stopping. I got news for you. Jesus is coming again to sin, and he ain't stopping. There's a move sweeping across this earth, and if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but it's happening all around the earth, and it's going to hit America. And it's time that we get our act in order. Amen? It is time that we say, God, I need to get serious about living for you. And I got to quit living my story and start living your story. Because that day's coming, church. And, and you don't think so, but you just read around the earth, millions of people are getting saved. Millions. I'm so thankful for what God is doing the earth, but I'm ready for it to hit right here. That we get uncomfortable, that we get out of our seat and we say, God, you are the great I am. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You were a suffering servant. Therefore, we should serve I am. Because his testimony. I mean, I mean his title creates our testimony. That's it. And what Jesus is trying to say, when he says, I am, basically what he's saying, whatever you are not, I am. There's a lot of things I'm not. But God says, I am. When I got called on the ministry, I was, you know, I really, I like right away, I'm like, well, God, you know, I mean, geez, I, I, I have, I, this has happened in my life and that, and I'm not that great at this and, you know, whatever. And, and, and God said, I got you. Because I am all those things in your life that you think you don't have, I am those things. All those shortcomings that you think you can't do because, God, I can't really serve because I don't have this and that and that. God says, trust me, I am those things. And there's no better place as a Christian to be in a place where we have to trust in God. Amen? And we're not worried about our story and our talents, but we're saying, God, you are able. You are the great I am. There's a lot of things, Harvest Land Church, that we don't have. But God has it. Amen? He has it all. And we just have to get in alignment with him. You know, Moses. Moses, you know, I'm so thankful. He probably, God was just reminding him, Moses, we don't have to talk about your stuttering problem anymore. Moses, we don't have to talk about your sin from the past anymore. Moses. Because everything you are not, that's who I am. Moses, I will send someone to be your voice. I will send someone to, to guard you. Jesus is trying to show us that he will fill those places in our life. And he's trying to shape our story. Our story. And your story is this. What do you need today from God? Because that's who he is. Could I have the worship team join me up here? I am. Uh, every problem, I am the solution, says God. Every question, I am the answer. In the word, and the word became flesh. I am. His title creates our testimony. Who we are is who he is. I'm nothing without him, but with him, we can do all things through Christ. Amen. Without him, my title is about me, and that only goes so far. But with him, he gives us purpose, a plan, and a mission. And those three things you have to ask yourself.
God, what is the plan you have for my life? What is my purpose? And what is my mission? And as you begin to find those things in your life, in your walk, the joy of the Lord begins to carry you, take you places. I want you just, if you would, just for a moment here, was spending a time in a moment in prayer and asking God for direction and some things in our life. You might be going through a battle. You say, Pastor, I have a sickness. I have something I'm dealing with. Jesus says, I am your healer. The question I might ask you is, are you broken today? Are you broken? Jesus says, I am your restorer. Are you lost? Do you feel lonely? Jesus says, I am a way maker. See, he fills in all those gaps. Are you, are you scared of something that you have to face? Are you dealing with something in your life? Jesus says, I am your comforter. How many know everything that we say we are not? Jesus says, I am. I'm not good enough. Jesus says, oh, I am. And I'm with you and I'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen. How many know that begins, you begin to walk in this new peace, this new freedom of saying, you know what, God? I don't have all the answers. I don't have to be everything to everyone because, God, you are. And I seek you first. He is the great I am. Let's stand. Would you stand? Let's stretch our legs. This one is a little more intense, but I, I, I got this. I even wrote it down. Are you chained with addiction? Jesus said, look no further than me because I am a chain breaker. Amen? He's not a condemner. He's not going to, he's like, I want to break those chains. Set you free. Are you in need this morning? He says, I am a provider. I am. See, that, that, that name, above all names, I am, just fills in all the gaps. That's why I'm, I'm not a big believer in excuses. I try not to make excuses. And when people make excuses to me, I'm just like, God's greater than anything we could ever think that we're not. I am. Are you anxious, depressed? He says, look to me because I am the Prince of Peace. I mean, everything. The great I am. The word has become flesh. Everything that you are looking for is found in him. Everything. Jesus. He is Christ, the anointed one. Who came as a suffering servant to the cross. And he is the Christ, the Alpha, and the Omega. And everything in between. And his story is our story. I, I, I'm thankful that that day will come and we'll, when we all get to heaven, like the old song, what a day of rejoicing. But it will be like, God will begin, we'll begin to see the, the full story unveiled. Because people will go through things in life and say, I don't understand why this happened to me. I don't understand why this person went home soon to the Lord. I, how many of we don't always get the full story? Hebrews says that many, many great leaders in the, in the Bible, right? they died and didn't get to see the full story revealed but in heaven we'll see God's whole story we're just part of the story and I, I'm so thankful that someday I want to I, I want to celebrate with you and we'll say 
we were a part of that story. You remember when we did this? You remember when this happened at church? You remember when we baptized or when the prayer truck led people to Christ? And we'll begin to say that was part of God's story. That person that you encouraged this week, you might never see them again, but maybe someday in heaven they'll say, you are the one. I was suicidal. I was at the end of my rope, and you encouraged me, and now that's part of God's story. You understand it's a bigger thing than our story. I am. I am. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we think about this amazing story about being set apart for a purpose, a plan, a mission. He is the Alpha and the Omega, and He is right beside you right now. He says, I am the one and only God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the great I am. And He says, I will be with you every step of this amazing journey. Journeys are not always easy. Matter of fact, some of the greatest vacations and trips we've taken as a family, sometimes some of the worst things happened. I remember one time we were on the middle of a lake and we were in a pontoon boat. I'm like a mile from the cabin and the pontoon engine blew out. And me and Destiny jumped in the water and pushed a pontoon boat while Heather ate strawberries and grapes and dangled them. No, I'm kidding. That didn't quite happen. She's like, uh-uh. But but I remember that story. In the moment, it was tough. Here's the thing. We swam behind a full-size pontoon and pushed it a mile swimming. That took forever. And a thunderstorm hit with lightning. And we're pushing a metal boat. We had no, we're in the middle of a lake. All my kids. That was up in Harrison. Yeah. And, and the long story, at the moment, it was like, this is, I hate, this is terrible. This is that, that journey home was rough. But guess what? Now I'm looking at like, man, that's a great, what a great memory. God, what a great experience. What a great thing that we can all reflect on and say, oh, we made it through that storm. You see, sometimes in life, we start doubting God. We start saying, how can this be your plan? How can we? But when we get through the storm, how many know we can look back at it and say, God, you were there all the time. And you might not get every answer in this life. You might live your whole life and you never quite get to the dock. But in heaven, God will show you the whole story. He'll say, this is the reason why. I was showing you something. And he'll say, it was actually me pushing the boat, you know. <laughs> and, and you thought it was all you? No, no, no. He said, I was the wind that pushed that boat in. I was the hand that held the storm back. Sometimes we look at the storm and we look at the situation, the problem, and that's all we see are obstacles. But you got to know that God is up there right now saying, I'll hold it back. I'll protect you. I'll guide you. But you have to trust me that I am who I say I am. And it's right here in your word, church. You don't have to hear a sermon every week. You have a sermon in your hand every moment, every day. He says, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. The, the timing of your word is always perfect, I feel. It's always perfect. And in this place in life that each and every one of us are in that journey, different stages. Some of them are just getting in the boat. 
Some of you are just sailing. You're like, this is great. I love being a Christian. It's so fun and easy and cool. And I love it. I want a bumper sticker that says Jesus is awesome. But there might be a day that the storm comes up. There might be a time that the wind gets a little bit rough and something breaks down. I pray that you would take that moment and say, God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Because in those moments, he shows us things. He teaches us. He, he shows us that without him, we really can't do much. But with him, amazing things happen. Because we described him today in so many ways. But most of all, he is our king, our savior, our redeemer, our forgiver. The titles never stop with Jesus. Our healer, our best friend. Father, I pray that we would take these words now. I pray that we would be challenged to study deeper. Father, that, that we don't just know who you are. We didn't just hear a sermon, but now we will do it. We will live it. We will breathe it. We will experience it. We will touch other people's lives with what we've been given. Father, as we leave this place, let us say, God, I'm going to do it this week. I don't want to just say I'm a Christian, but I want to be a Christian. I don't want to just say I'm a follower. I'm going to be a follower. I'm not just going to say that I, I, I'm these things, but I'm going to be what your word says. Father, bless each one today as we go home. We go places, restaurants, travel, God. Father, I pray that the youth and the leaders that go, Lord God, this week will be a week like none other at camp. Many will be called into ministry. Many will be called into missions. Many will be called into worship. Many will be called into places of leadership. Many will be called out of darkness. Many will be, they'll all find purpose and fulfillment. God, you give us purpose and fulfillment. Bless our youth and our leaders and the speakers and the worship team and the leaders. And Father, bring us back to this place more excited, more ready. I pray this week, God, we would speak to someone about the love of Jesus. We would pray for people. Use our lives, God. Use us. Use us to be your hands and feet. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the great I am. Amen and amen. Amen. Did you receive this message this morning? Amen. Can, can we go ahead and thank Jesus? Can we do that? Let's just thank Jesus this morning for who he is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now I pray for you, whatever it is that God spoke to you this morning, now do it. Amen? Do it. Do it. Attitude adjustments, let's do it. Bible reading, let's do it. Prayer, let's do it. Let's just do it. Encourage people, do it. Invite people, do it. Somebody who's on vacation, pray for them. Just do it. Amen? God bless you. God bless you. Have a great day. In Jesus, we will see you here soon.